Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. Today's message title is Victory. And like I said, we're continuing our Good Shepherd series, and today is part five. So this is the fifth Sunday we're sharing a message based on this on this psalm. I love this psalm. It's my favorite psalm. I grew up reciting this psalm. It's the first psalm I memorized as a child, and my parents uh, taught me uh, in the way of the scriptures. But this is this has a special place in my heart because when you learn this psalm as a child, it means one thing. But when you grow up as an adult and you live life, and and you want, you understand the depth of this scripture, of this song, that the song that, that uh, King David wrote. Uh, we don't know when he wrote it, but there's such depth of wisdom. It couldn't have been when he was, you know, uh, early in his career because there's, there's so much in it. And so uh, today we're talking about victory because all of us want to be victorious. And I believe one of the reasons why you're here today in church is because you want to be victorious. There's something in you that drives you to victory. You want to win in life. You want to win in your career. You want to win at home. You want to win in relationships. You want to win just in your goals and your dreams. And so we go through life with this desire to win. And we discover that along the way... We attach ourselves to certain things that we expect to bring us meaning. So let me ask you this question. What is the thing in your life that gives meaning to everything else? What brings you the most joy? What is the thing that you pursue like everything else depends on it? The thing that if you lost you will feel like everything else in your life would suffer. We all have that something. Because as I said, we want to win. We want to have a full life. And for some of you, it might be your family. It might be your kids. For others, it might be your career. It might be what you do. Your identity, how you're seen. Your level of success, your status. Now, if you're a Christian, and I'm not assuming that everyone here today is a Christian, but if you are a Christian, if you follow Jesus, you want to say God. You want to. You really do. And I get it. You're here in church on a Sunday morning on Mother's Day. You're watching or listening to our podcast, and it is the right answer. But I want you to be honest. Because this answer is not what you think, it's what you do. It has to be backed by action. And if you have not been mindful of God, I'm going there. If you have not been, if you're not, if you have not been mindful of God more than you've been mindful of money, career, success, and all the other things. Women, men, dating, school, you name it then can you really say that God is that thing that your life depends on? Even if you want to say it, can your life back up that claim? 
Now, here's why your answer should be God. I'll tell you why. Because whatever else that brings you meaning and joy and brings you, you know, all of the things that you expect out of life, that, 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 that your life depends on, if it's not God, it's fulfilling the role of God in your life. If God is not that thing that you pursue, whatever is occupying that space is fulfilling the role of God in your life. And nothing else but God can fulfill that role. Nothing else but God can be your ultimate. So if you say, for example, my marriage. My marriage is the thing that, that if, if, I mean, it's, it's the thing that brings me meaning. And you put the weight of your life expectations on it, the dreams that you have to be fulfilled through that, and, and you put the weight of your life's meaning on your marriage. It can't sustain. You'll be miserable because your marriage was not built for all of that. It cannot sustain the pressure. The same is true for kids, your career, and all the other things that might be occupying that role. Nothing but God can bear the weight of giving you life meaning. Giving your life meaning and purpose and, and giving you fulfillment. The reality is that even those of us who know the right answer, even those of us who are convinced that only God can be the ultimate source, we still struggle to make that real, don't we? We struggle. Why is that? Have you thought about it? I don't know if you've thought about that. Why is it that, that some of us just now realize that another week went by and we barely prayed? Why is it that, that some of you started the year saying, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consistently grow in the Scriptures. I'm going to grow in the knowledge of Scriptures. And then another week went by and you just, when you get to church, you realize, oh my gosh, I didn't even open my Bible this week. And it's right there on my nightstand. Why is this such a common scenario among people who profess to follow Jesus? It's not just you. Are we lazy? Are we not serious? I don't think that's it. Another week went by and you didn't talk to your wife, your husband, people close to you. You didn't have a faith-centered conversation with people who can pray for you, help you carry your burdens. It's such a big part of our lives. See, we are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. All of us. And our spirit is really the most important part of our lives. It's the most important part of us. And why is it that it's the most neglected? Have you thought about that? It's not because you don't love God. You're here today. It's not because you don't believe in God. Again, you're here today. It's not because you don't want to pray. I believe you do want to pray. You want, you want to engage in your life. Listen, right now, somewhere in this city, there are people waking up hungover from a night of terrible choices. Right now. Right now, there are people waking up with strangers because they're so broken they're living by Tinder standards. Yeah, Tinder standards. 
But you're not that person. It's not you. Because you're here. You're better than Tinder. Yes. You're making better choices. You hold yourself at a higher standard. You're seeking higher things. You're seeking the things that are from above. Why is it still so hard to act on it? To believe. See, I know, I know your problem. I know your problem because your problem is everyone's problem. We have our youth in the room today. They deal with this too every single day in school. And to be open, your problem is also my problem. See, I'm, I'm a pastor. My life calling is to lead people toward the good news, to help them grow in their knowledge of God. And I fight the same fight. How? It's very simple. We have the same enemy. We all have the same enemy. And C.S. Lewis, the great scholar, prefaces his classic work, The Screwtape Letters, with this warning. He writes the following. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. I think this is true. We go through seasons where everything is the devil. And then we go through seasons where we don't even realize that we're fighting an enemy. And I think that the season that we're living is the latter. It's the season where we don't even realize that we're fighting an enemy. And the problem that is that we are living in days when spiritual discernment is so needed, but yet it is sorely lacking. Many people are not even aware. They're not only oblivious that there's a spiritual fight going on, they don't even know why the enemy is fighting them. I mean, do you know why? Do you know why the enemy is fighting you? Sometimes you just know that you're, you're in a struggle. You know things are happening. You don't know where they're coming from. You know you're in a fight. Do you know why? It's the same reason why the enemy fought against Adam and Eve. In the story of Genesis is the same reason why the enemy fought Jesus in the desert, which we're going to read in a moment. And it's the same reason why he fights you and everyone in between. The enemy fights you to separate you from God. That's his goal. It's to keep you apart from your maker, to keep you apart from your creator. But let me tell you something. When we live for God and we make God our shepherd, he supplies our needs, as we have learned in these past weeks. He makes us rest. He leads us beside peaceful waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in righteousness. Even when we face the valley, even when we face difficulties, even when we have to deal with our stuff, He is there with you, making a way, guiding and correcting. That's what we spoke about last week. Guiding and correcting when we need, but even when we face enemies that we cannot control. God is with us. And when it comes to our enemies... God has a strategy. And the good shepherd does the following. Psalm 23, verse 5. Listen to this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I love this passage. 
Now, we have a few things going on here. There's a lot of moving parts, right? You have a table. You ha we have some enemies. We've got the anointing. And then you have an overflowing cup, too, which to some of the moms here, that cup is a trigger, right? Because why would you be overflowing the cup? Call somebody because the shepherd is making a mess in the kitchen. The cup is overflowing. It's spilling all over. It's a mess. Who's going to clean it up? Why does he have to be so messy? So let's go to these parts, right? Let's go through these parts. Let's break it apart. First, first there's a table. He prepares a table before us. What a beautiful picture. That means that God will honor you in the presence of your enemies. A table is a symbol of honor. That when the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, as the scripture says, the good shepherd shows up as the God who is more than enough. And he supplies your need. Not only does he supply your need, he prepares a table before you. He honors you. He basically says, hey, here's, here's look, look at this enemy. Look, look at my child. I'm going to bless my child. I, it makes me think of my friend Ramiro. My friend Ramiro uh, was born without ears. And the doctor told his parents when he was born that he was not going to be able to hear. And because he was not going to be able to hear, he was going to be mute. He, he was gonna be able, wasn't going to be able to learn how to speak. And, and that was devastating. But his parents were believers. And, and they, they believed that God had a promise uh, for his child. And not only that God has, had a promise, but the God, the, the God they served is a healer. A God who restores things that are broken. And, and so as, as they continued to pursue ways for his child to get better, the doctors uh, opened up the, the, the ear canal. It was all closed, and they opened up the ear canal, and they discovered something resembling a small eardrum in his, in his ears. And they said it's going to be very difficult for him to learn to speak, but he, in fact, could hear. And in and, and faith and, and, and through prayer and, and a lot of, of dedication, Ramiro today not only can hear and speak, but he's a worship leader. He sings. He has an amazing voice. In fact, some of the songs that we sing here are songs that he is recorded singing in our church. He leads thousands of people in worship every single week. Friends, that's the good shepherd preparing a table before him in the presence of his enemies. That's the good shepherd saying, hey, I'm going to honor you and show you my goodness. And some of you, you're fighting difficult odds. You were told you were never going to amount to anything. You were told your dream was too big. You were told that it was never going to happen. And I'm here to tell you and to encourage you today to remind you that God is not only the God of enough, but He is the God of more than enough. And He will not only bless you, but He will prepare a table before you in front of your enemies to put them to shame. To put them to shame. He's a good God. He has a table for you. He has a table promised for you. Now let's talk about these enemies. Because I need to remind you that your enemies are not flesh and blood. Even though your experience might say otherwise. <laughs> I'm sure there might be people that have it out for you. There might be people that you don't want in your life. 
I'm sure there might be people that you consider not a friend, right? But there's something else at play. There's something else happening because all of this is a consequence of the work of the enemy. Trying to divide, trying to cause strife, trying to cause division. And there's a way in which the enemy works in the world. And the scripture is very clear about it. There are several scriptures, but I picked one. Because this scripture shows the way the enemy always works. And so I hope you, you grasp this today. Because this is, this is what always happens in your life every time you fail. Okay? 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17 say this from the NIV version. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I love this passage because it's clear. It is showing to us that, that there are two ways in life, two ways that you can choose, the way of the world or the will of God. Those are the two, two choices that we have every single day. And the way the enemy will tempt you to profess that you follow God, but to act differently is always going to show up in these three modes. These three kinds of temptation in your life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's always those three. It's always those three. In fact, Jesus, in the scripture, he's not only the model for us, but he, he, he is the archetype, right? That God has for us to live a life uh, as, as a son and a daughter of God. And Jesus, uh, in the beginning of his ministry, he spent 40 days in the desert to be tempted by the enemy. And the enemy tempted Jesus in three ways. Now let's look at these passages, uh, or every temptation that came against Jesus, because they have something to do with every temptation that comes against you. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 from the NIV says, The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these, sto these stones to become bread. Now, like I said, Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. He didn't have anything to eat. He ha had been fasting. And the en enemy comes and says, hey, Jesus, you haven't had anything to eat. How about you live by the flesh? How about you use your faith in God and your power to serve your flesh? How about you live by your cravings right now and you serve the flesh? That was the lust of the flesh that the enemy was enticing. And then Jesus replied with the scripture and then the enemy came again with another, another temptation. Verse 5 says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What is this? Jesus, why don't you use your power for self-aggrandizement? You go to the top, the pinnacle of the temple. There was a reason why it was in the, in the religious, in, in, in the temple. It was in the synagogue. In other words... Place yourself in a position where everything happens because of your will. What is this? This is the pride of life. Use your faith for the purpose of self-aggrandizement. 
command these angels, just, just. Verse 8. Another yet, another temptation. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. What is this? Look at all the great things in the world. Look at everything that you could get. Look at all the things that you could have. All the marvelous things. Look at the wealth, the riches. Don't you want that? Here's what you do. Don't worship God anymore. So the lust of the eyes. Look at it. You can take it. It can be yours. Make these things number one. Bow down and worship me. In other words, worship my way of life. And this is how we are tempted every single day. Friends, we need discernment. We need discernment to know that what is being presented to us is in fact counterfeit to what God has for us. We need understanding. And the choice is ours to choose God's will or to choose the ways of the world. And if we choose God's will, I want to remind you of the promise in that same scripture. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever, everlasting life. Now some of you have been fighting devils left and right. And you've been fighting in your own strength because you don't know what to do. Well, the scripture is clear. I believe it's James chapter 4, verse 7 that says that we ought to submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee. That's the promise. So what should we do if, if the enemy is fighting against us? Don't focus on the enemy. Focus on the will of God. Focus on what he has for you. Because what the enemy is trying to do is to distract you. And to say, hey, look over here. Look at all the stuff that I'm going to try to get your attention off of. Look at, look at all the stuff that I can offer you. So you can, instead of choosing the will of God, you can choose my way. You don't have to fight the enemy. We ought to submit ourselves to God. Reject, resist the enemy. And he will flee. And then there's the anointing. I love this part. Because the anointing is about consecration. The anointing is about being set apart from the world. It's about being marked. And I want to take you to a scripture way back in Exodus 40, chapter 9 and verse 13, when God was establishing a relationship with his people. Look at what the scripture says. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings. And it will be holy. The anointing... The altar, the anointing, the altar of burnt offering and all of its utensils. Consecrate the altar. Then anoint the altar and of burnt offering. I'm sorry. I, then anoint the altar and of the burnt offering and all of its utensils. Consecrate the altar and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and it stands and consecrate them. This is interesting because this is a practice. I grew up with this practice. In fact, we've, we've owned four different homes uh, throughout our lives, Alini and I, and, and it's always been like that, that when we, when we buy a, a home or a car, we always go in and, God, we consecrate this to you. It's yours. It's a way of presenting it to God. Um, then he says, bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of the meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in, in sacred garments, anoint him and consecrate him so he may serve me as priest. 
Now, this is part of their ceremonial proceedings on, on how to consecrate people. But this is a picture. The anointing is the presence of God. And I got to tell you, listen, this has always been God's desire. The guy, God's goal has always been this, to have a relationship with you. It's not about the table. It's not about the enemies. It's about the anointing, the presence of God in your life. That's the objective. He's a father who wants to be close to his children. He, he, he wants to be close to you, to walk with you, to show his love, to show his grace. He wants you near. He wants to live near you. He wants you close. And his, his anointing is his presence in your life. It's, it's when you spend time with him. And, and the anointing bring, brings a couple things. The anointing brings a glow. You know, that's, how, that's how kings and queens used to, to adorn themselves back in those days. They used to anoint their hair and, and, and it brings a glow. Not only does it bring a glow, the anointing brings an aroma. A nice, great aroma. I, uh, I have a friend. Sometimes we hang out and we, uh, I, I went to pick him up uh, a few weeks ago. And I, I drove up to his spot, to his place, and he got in my car and we went to this, this uh, restaurant and we ate and then got back in my car and I dropped him off. He must have been in my car not longer than 20 minutes. But he was wearing a nice cologne. So he walked in and was like, whoa, this is nice. And then, and then I dropped him off and, and went home. And then the next day, it must have been almost 24 hours after being with him. I get in my car and poof, the aroma is still there. And, and I had to text him. I was like, man, your smell is still in my car. Good thing it's a good smell. <laughs> but he must have been in my car for le less than 30 minutes, like a, definitely 10, 15 minutes each, each way. And this is, what, this is what the anointing of God does. It permeates your life in a way that whenever you walk into places and you talk to people, it leaves a lasting impact. impact. It has an effect on people. I'm talking about like, you living a kind of life where you are aware of God everywhere you go. It doesn't just have to be a special moment that you have each day. I'm talking when you're in traffic. God, thank you. Thank you for this car. Thank you that I get to work. Thank you, God, that you're in my life. God, I pray that you lead me today. Give me guidance. You at the grocery store, instead of saying too many people here, my God, they don't have eggs anymore. Where's my favorite dessert? You just say, God, thank you that I have the ability to eat. Thank you that the soil has been fertile and I get to buy this spinach that has been triple washed. Thank you, God, that you are with me here. Bless every single person in this in this in this grocery store father even those who are being rude to me bless them in jesus name god i thank you that your presence is with me that you are guiding me when you are constantly mindful of god and you are in a in a state of worship the presence of god is in your life and you you pass that along you don't have to be weird about it right you don't have to like people come to you and you go like you know hey 
be blessed, brother and sister. No, you don't have to be like that. You just allow the presence of God to, to, to use you so that you can be a blessing to others. That's what the anointing does. And I believe that God wants every single one of us to be anointed, to carry the anointing everywhere we go, bringing the light of God a 10-minute conversation with somebody can change them because there is the presence of God is with you. And then from the anointing, we get to the overflowing cup. And this is, this is a beautiful effect of somebody who has trusted God, who has been at the table, whose enemies have been put to shame, and who has been living in a constant relationship with God. This is what's going to happen in your life. Your cup will overflow. Flow. You know what it is to have an overflowing cup? It's not just to be fulfilled. It's not just to live life fulfilled, but to live life overflowing. Have you ever lived out of the overflow? It is such a blessing when you get to live out of the overflow. You're not depleted. You're not running on empty. You're not stressed out. You're not anxious. You're not carrying the weight of the world in your shoulders. You're not nervous. You're not worried. You're living out of the overflow. Overflowing with patience. Overflowing with grace. Overflowing with love. Overflowing with, overflowing with faith. Overflowing with peace. Overflowing with strength. Overflowing with good things. And it's not just for you. It's for everyone around you. Nothing can touch you. Nothing can take you down you can live in faith standing tall because the God of the universe is with you and you're living out of the overflow yes I believe God wants us to live out of the overflow overflowing with peace overflowing with love and everything that he has for us so here's my challenge for you today three quick challenges first got to be aware of the strategy of the enemy because the whole strategy of the enemy is not to get you what you have it's to keep you away from God to keep your children away from God to keep your family away from God to put a wall of separation between you and God to have you have you live busy distracted disconnected from God with no discernment and living life on repeat Feeling like every day is the same old story, running with a, with a depleted and empty soul. That's not the way of God. That's not what God has for you. That's the strategy of the enemy. And I've heard it said this, when the enemy can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And that's, man, ain't that the truth? Second thing you got to keep in mind is this. Make a decision today that you will choose God's will over the ways of the world. And if you don't know how to make that decision in the moment, ask God for discernment. James says that if anybody needs wisdom, ask, ask the Father of light. He will give you wisdom. So in the moment, be aware of God's presence with you and ask God for discernment. God, I don't know how to make this choice. Will you make it clear to me? God, I don't know if this is you or if this is the enemy. Will you make it clear to me? God, I don't know what step to take right now. Will you make it clear to me? And God will help you identify the enemy's ways. Everything that is in darkness will come to light once you claim the light of Christ. Because we are of the light, right? We are people of the light. We're not people of darkness. And lastly, every single day, 
draw near to God. Draw near to God. Live in His anointing. Live in His presence. And this is the way of victory. You're talking about living a victorious life? This is how you live a victorious life. If you do that, I believe you experience God's presence. You experience a life of meaning. The meaning that you're looking for, that you're trying to draw out of those other things, you're going to experience that. And you will live out of the overflow every single day. You'll be able to say, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.